Hey, this is Chris from CrossFit Kana in Ambler, Pennsylvania, and you're listening to Girls Gone Wild with Joy and Claire. You're listening to Girls Gone Wild. This is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is episode 194. This week we have Dr. Lindsay Matthews on the show from BirthFit. Hi. Hi, Lindsay. Hey, what's up? Welcome. This is kind of a, like a long time coming interview. And Dr. Lindsay Matthews, if you guys, if listeners out there do not know who she is, um, she's the founder and CEO of BirthFit. We have tons of questions to get to tonight, so we're going to jump right into it. But Claire's been wanting to talk to her for a long time. I know Claire um, went through some of her programming and so we'll get a little bit of a background from you, Lindsay, and then also yeah. answer a bunch of questions because we have some. So you're from Texas. You went to Texas A&M. You have a doctorate of chiropractic, DNS, dynamic neuromuscular stabilization. You're trained yeah. in ICEA, childbirth educator, <laughs> hypnobirthing. I mean, I don't think there's anything you're not trained in at this point as it relates to birthing, <laughs> which is so cool. And you've been attending birth since 2009. You established BirthFit in 2011. Such a cool story. And I also want to encourage listeners to to do just the search of Lindsay's name in iTunes because she has her own podcast as well as she's done a ton of interviews with some other podcasts. So it's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y. The last name is M-A-T-H-E-W-S, just one T. Lindsay with an E, just one T. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Go Claire. That sounds pretty good. I just came up with a rap for how you spell your name. <laughs> Oh, no. Um, just because I want you guys to hear her story, too. You had a really good interview on um, which podcast was that? I think it was the Movement at RX or the Movement Fix. Oh, the Sorry. Movement Fix. The yeah. Movement Fix podcast. You have a really good background in history. You've been on the Brute Force pod or Brute Strength podcast, Tate Fletcher's podcast. So, And then you also have your own, which is the um, just the Birth Fit podcast. So yeah. tons of areas that you guys out there, listeners, if after this interview, I know a lot of times when I listen to someone that I just love, I want to get more information from them. So you have a lot of knowledge coming from Dr. Matthews here. So let's d- jump into some questions. Um, and we'll start with Claire and what brought us to to talk to Lindsay. Yeah, wow, Joy. That was quite the intro. I'm impressed. Thank you. I studied all day. I was like doing my research. Yeah. I like to prepare. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So Lindsay, let's I do want to talk a little bit about your background and just kind of hear what makes you passionate about being a birth worker and about pregnant mamas and about just women's health in general and how how do you feel like you're meeting that need in the fitness community do you want the long version i do want the long version (laughs) i do yeah i grew up in uh texas obviously basically the standard american story texan story i grew up played soccer i was a cheerleader but growing up i dealt with asthma a lot i share this story at the seminars and anytime i'm talking to a big group because people always ask me how I got into this, especially not having kids. And when I was in fourth grade, I had a really gnarly asthma attack. It was basically, I went to the emergency room. At the emergency room, they put me in an ambulance to go to the bigger hospital because at that local hospital, they couldn't help me. They basically said, oh my God, we're freaking out. So we're going to send her elsewhere.
elsewhere. It was at that point that I had an outer body experience. You know, at that time, I didn't really know what the hell I was having. I didn't know what was going on. I remember being in the ambulance. Well, I saw my body in the ambulance and I was like looking down. I saw the paramedic and my mom. And then, you know, six, seven days later, I woke up in ICU. At that point, I was like, what? Was that just like a gnarly dream or what happened? And I remember being, well, being in like a, a very homey, welcoming, happy place. And on one side was my brother and sister who are twins and I'm very close with them. And, um, and then lots of hands like in the background. And then on the other side was definitely this light, like the bright shining light. And it was just beautiful and warm and everything. You know, I, for some reason, I just knew that I had to go back and help people, especially like I remember my sister saying you have to come back there's a reason you've got to come back we need you and I was just like what so fast forward I get to high school you know I enjoy all things in high school all the beers all the parties everything <laughs> and and uh, if you've seen the show Friday Night Lights like that was definitely my high school experience was it really and oh for sure <laughs> was it really like a Tim Riggins I love that show so much <laughs> I for love sure. that show oh <laughs> it's the best show ever Ah, <laughs> uh, my high school dreams got crushed, and uh, I tore my ACL my junior year in high school. And my dream of becoming the next Mia Hamm wasn't really panning out. At that point, you know, I was still like, "Oh, I gotta rehab my ACL, my knee. I gotta get back. I'm gonna go play soccer and you know, crush life and that and that path." And I, for some reason, my mom took me to like three different orthos. Like, I don't. She does things out of the box, like randomly. And this was one of those things. <laughs> you know, we went to three different orthos and two of the orthopedic surgeons said, you'll only be as, you'll only be like 80%. And I was like, well, that sucks. I don't know about that. And then we went to this third surgeon. He was in scrubs and cowboy boots, which I love. He basically said, you've got to put in the work. You'll be 100% if you put in the work before and after surgery. And I was like, dope, I can do that. So he made me rehab or prehab, if you will, like six weeks before I went into ACL surgery. I had no idea, you know, I'm just a clueless uh, teenager at that point. But he made me go see a chiropractor. He made me go see a rolfer. He made me go see an acupuncturist. And he made me do PT basically three days a week minimum before I went into surgery. And and I'll tell you what, like my leg was stronger just by that six weeks, you know, than, and that in, intention I had put into that work prior to even any work I'd ever done on the soccer field or gymnastics for cheerleading. So, you know, that was quite the learning experience. And then I came out of that and my knee was great, but uh, I decided <laughs> randomly to go to Texas A&M and study pre-med. And by that point, I was going to do, um, I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon because this doc was so awesome, changed my life. And that's what I wanted to do. So I was on the route to do, you know, sports medicine, orthopedics. And then the third milestone, I always talk about these three milestones, came and it was my junior year in college and I took a semester off and I went to Africa. I was basically going to all these remote villages and we were 
doing medical triage and we were there with some overseeing doc and basically just finding out what's going on, prescribing like antibiotics or whatever we had in our bag. It was just so random now that I look back on it and um, <laughs> so random. We, I was there probably for like two weeks in and this mom brings her son to me. He was probably six or seven and, you know, maybe in a family of, you know, she already had five, six kids and they walked probably an hour to get to the um, the clinic that we were hosting that day. Told me that her son was paralyzed on the left side of his body and that he got seizures. And I was like, whoa, that's that's way outside of anything I know right now but um, I don't know something just hit me you know at that point I'm a believer in God I'm a believer in the universe that you know I'm here for a reason and knowing you know I had that outer body experience and I just had always followed my gut even until throughout this point and my gut at that point said you know like this guy, this kiddo doesn't need medicine. They don't need uh, to prescribe him any sedatives. And that's what they wanted to do. You know, just give him some something to knock him out whenever he had these seizures. So I, I took the mom outside and my translator. And, you know, it was this epic moment where we were like on the hill and crying. And um, it was just, it was hard. And I was trying to tell this mom that her son was okay. His spirit was the same. And uh, that even if we gave him sedatives, he was still going to have seizures. Like it wasn't going to stop them. You know, the seizures were just, or the sedative was just to knock him out at that point. And I told her, you know, the best thing to do is just keep him safe, you know, make sure there's no sharp objects around. What it seemed like had happened was that the paralyzation on one side of his body was from like an early accident, probably, you know, in his first mm-hmm. year or two of life. It was at that point that I, you know, found the only phone in town and called my stepdad, who I'm super close with. And I said, I can't go to medical school. I, I'm just not into these drugs. Like I can't prescribe drugs. I don't know what I want to do, but that, that's not it. <laughs> and <Right>. he, was, <laughs> he goes, uh, well, you're a grown up. Uh, you need to figure out what you're doing. Uh, you can't come home. So I was like, well, I have no idea what I want to do. Long story short, I made him a deal. I'm going to come home for three months and wait tables just to make some money. And then I'm going to go to chiropractic school in California. He was like, whatever, go be a hippie in California. <laughs> and I was like, I'm so there. I'm ready for it. It's my calling. And, you know, in, the, in that summer that I went back, and waited tables in my hometown. I was dabbling like with some shadowing. The chiropractor that had helped me some through high school, and I kept, still keep in touch with him. That took me out to California, and I came to California, and I was still on like the sports med route. Oh man, out here I got into treating and working with some of the great sports med docs, chiros, and then some even some orthos, and I would volunteer my time at. Uh, this was like early 2006 at the. Olympic Training Center in San Diego. And right after Cairo school, I took a job traveling uh, the world on set. And I was working in production with certain actors. And yeah, how did you actresses. get hooked up with that gig? I, I know you worked on like, <laughs> w- on like uh, Mission Impossible and you were doing all these awesome gigs with movie stars. It was just like who, like who you know, like word of mouth. Yeah. And I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. And actors like to think that they're 
Olympic athlete and vice versa. And it's very relatable because if you're treating, let's say, like the fastest man alive in the U.S. and he's performing for the Olympic trials or a long jumper that's performing for the trials, like they, their focus is one big event and they train four years for this thing or yeah. if you're treating the greatest soccer player in the world he has games once a week and it's performance driven so they're going to do everything they can to enhance that performance that means that i'm going to adjust them you know within 24 hours before they before they go so it was like check full spine and then I'm going to check everything within 24 hours afterwards, then do some DNS rehab, some soft tissue work, any taping, any kind of like recovery stuff that would enhance that uh, within the first 24 hours after their performance. And so I got a lot of experience on on set with that and, you know, in the professional sports world and even at the training center. But um, my heart just wasn't in it. And it was funny, life life just kind of has a way of just showing you the path you got to go on. So for about two and a half, three years, I was traveling, but I'd be home or in Los Angeles for like two to three weeks at a time. And then I'd leave. And I was part of this practice that had three male chiropractors and I was the other one. By default, I would get women that were thinking about having a baby or postpartum or, you know, shit that they just freaked out about. And I was like, I don't know anything about this, actually. And I took the sports route in school. So I had this woman come to me and she was an actress and she was on a TV show and they basically have seasons, right? So it's like uh, a baseball season almost. And uh, like to me, that was very familiar. And she came to me and she's like, I want to get pregnant around this time and then have the baby around this time like she was looking like two to three years in advance and then I need to be back on the show by this time because they were like 10 to 12 seasons in I don't even remember but I was like well okay let me think about this so I, was, I told her I was like look I don't know anything about babies the only thing I know is that I don't want one right now and <laughs> like my mom had two daycares growing up so that was the best birth control ever so at that point I was like I don't know anything I need to learn everything I did doula training I did it twice <laughs> I did childbirth educator training I did all the hypnobirthing training I basically found chiros that were dabbling in prenatal and postpartum and shadowed them then I was like okay there's not shit out there for women um and I did the ICPA diplomat course which even that diplomat course which is 18 months 24 months one week in a year or one week in a month that's very heavily focused on the pediatric portion and not the prenatal portion. There's just so, so little information out there for the woman's body, especially in relation to that motherhood transition. So I was like, hey, this is what I'm thinking. And I told this actress this, like, I think we need to get you in the best shape possible, get your spine in alignment, dial in some nutrition, and then have the baby like get pregnant hopefully in like nine to 12 months like that was her goal well she accidentally got pregnant like in three months because she dialed in her nutrition I think like it wasn't that clean before but um <laughs> after that she had like we worked together for her birth she had a beautiful recovery and was able to go back on the show and you know that kind of ignited like a flame inside me and then I just started attending more births and then like her birth was actually at her 
home. And the births I attended in the hospitals were just like huge wake up calls. And the more research I did, the more I realized that there's not shit for support in women to support women in our country. Like there's there's just a lack of information, a lack of education and uh, the power was not, it's still not in the, in the women's hands. Like we've taken the power away from women and put it in shiny objects and doctors and things like that. And it's hard to have such a transformational experience uh, when we take away those human values and place it in like industrial values. That's when I started, like in 2011, I started the BirthFit blog. It was just my opinion. And which is, I don't really have an opinion about a lot of things, like whatever your choice is your choice, but I'm cool with it. But for some reason, I just got pretty radical about just sharing my, like what was going on. And like, just especially in Los Angeles, where this is supposed to be like the trendy place to be and, you know, progressive. And it was sometimes it wasn't. And after I had written the blog, like a few blogs, I got feedback from women like, oh, my God, your words stuck with me during labor and delivery, or you allowed me to have a beautiful cesarean, like I was able to put on my playlist or whatever. And or I just kept saying this mantra during birth that's kind of how it started and then I had Lindsay Muma reach out who's uh, birth fit North Carolina and she's a mom of two a chiropractor and she said you know how do you what's going on here we we need to take this all over the country and I need to be a part of it and I was like I don't know I have no idea what I'm doing and so that's where it basically started yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit about like the the programming that you've created because I know it's it's come a long way in the last couple of years and that you've really been doing a lot of work to get that out there and disseminate that. And we have a lot of specific questions, yeah, but you know from folks. But I kind of want to talk about the four pillars that you talk about with fitness, nutrition, chiropractics, and mindset. So I guess yeah. we can kind of start there and. Can you just kind of briefly describe like what's what's important about those four pillars? And then I want to dive into a couple of questions that we have from listeners to get to a couple of like specific issues that I think are pretty universal. So fitness, nutrition, chiropractic, and mindset are four foundational pillars. And it took me probably since 2011, it took me till about 2013 until I was steadfast in those four pillars. And even being a chiropractor in the early early years, I took on one in particular client where she had had not had chiropractic before. I uh, didn't really see a need for it. And, you know, she did yoga. She was a dancer. She felt fine. And um, the only thing, like I asked her if she had any history of anything musculoskeletal wise, and she had an older right hip dance injury. And fast forward to her labor and delivery. It was like three days. She stalled out at six, seven centimeters. And, you know, she she didn't use any chiropractic care, and I think the biggest the biggest thing that could have helped her preparing for labor and delivery would have been chiropractic care to help the baby get in the optimal position for labor and delivery so that the baby wasn't predominantly on the left side or left posterior. And, you know, I, I didn't say that to her, but whenever we chatted after the birth, one of the biggest things that uh, she regretted was not trying chiropractic. So, you know, those kind of experiences led me to be like, okay, then I'm not taking any doula clients that do not employ the four pillars, at least to some degree. So with fitness, nutrition, chiropractic, and mindset, the amount or the volume or just the degree of what it is appropriate for each individual is going to be different. So let's say I, um, I meet with a yoga 
client. Uh, she's an avid yogi. She probably does yoga six days a week. Then we're going to pay a little attention to her strength. So I'm going to have her do yoga maybe three or four days and then incorporate some strength training in twice a week minimum. Same thing for anybody that's a runner or a cycler slash spinner. If somebody is a crossfitter or super high intensity interval training type of person and uh, they do this, you know, four to six times a week, then I'm going to scale them them back maybe three to four times a week at the most and incorporate yoga maybe twice a week or some long, just super restorative walk uh, at least twice a week. You know, we can get into some of our programming later, but the general gist of it is, you know, endurance and stamina come into play, range of motion, which some people like to use the word flexibility, but I like the terms range of motion, and then strength and uh, balance. You know, balance is huge because mom's center of gravity is shifting. She's got to connect with the earth through her feet, and there's tons of nerve endings, neuroreceptors at the end of our feet, and it's a great t- time to stay grounded with the earth, but also to pra- practice some balance and just staying rooted within the earth earth there. Fitness needs to be you know, beautiful, beautiful balance in between strength, endurance, flexibility, and uh, all those things. Nutrition is something that we we love, <laughs> and we love eating real food. And this includes um, uh, grass-fed meats, quality fishes, good, really good fats because this fats are so important during pregnancy. Fruits, vegetables, and you know, just paying attention to what you're eating and looking at the label, uh, making sure you can pronounce everything that you put into your mouth. <laughs> you know, also what do you put on your body because your skin's your biggest organ and you know I know from experience that you know metal toxicity is a real thing parasites are a real thing those all can get in your body in numerous ways so nutrition's huge it's what you put in your body and on your body and then chiropractic we talked about that a little bit but your body's your vehicle for birth so addressing that vehicle and keeping I would say the wheels in alignment like your hips are super critical let's say like I had a snowboarder or somebody that's fallen on their tailbone more than once that's definitely going to affect and or hold some scar tissue there and affect the way the baby's head lines up with the cervix and you know if the head's not directly on the cervix that's a bit hard for baby to play like a corkscrew and come down through the pelvis and then mindset so mindset is probably the biggest most important one of all and we all perceive uh, reality in a little bit of different uh, lenses. You know, we just ask that the moms that we take on employ the growth mindset, which I don't know if you know the difference in the, like growth versus fixed mindset, but there's, there's a great book out there. It's called Mindset. <laughs> it's <laughs> written by Carol Dweck, and it talks about how everything's an opportunity. You can learn er- Every, there's room for growth with everything. Just because you because you failed a math test doesn't mean you're bad at math. You know, there's a ton of room for improvement there. So that's what we, you know, as long as we employ those four pillars to some degree, then in my experience and the other regional directors that attend births, their doulas, we've seen moms view their birth experience, you know, in a much more successful way or, you know, just a really, a really encouraging outcome, no matter if it's a vaginal birth or a cesarean birth. So that's where the four pillars come into play. And then from, you know, from the first time we meet the mom, we just kind of create a roadmap from there. Let's kind of start maybe with that. Then, you know, I I think we have a lot of questions and they fall, you know, pretty clearly into a couple of categories. And the first being, you know, I'm I'm thinking about trying to get pregnant. What what can I do to set myself up? The next being I'm I'm early in my pregnancy. How do I stay fit? How do I keep my expectations um, realistic? 
but also, you know, how can I have have the most say over what's about to happen to me? The next is, you know, later on in pregnancy, getting towards birth as to, you know, what, how do I set a birth plan? What happens if I go into labor and it doesn't go the way I wanted it to? And then to postpartum of either directly postpartum, we have a couple questions from folks who are like, hey, I just had a baby four weeks ago. You know, are there any hard and fast rules I need to know? All the way to, hey, I had a baby 10 years ago and my abdomen still swells up when I do sit-ups. What, you know, what, what do I need to do? I think, you know, there's a huge range here. And I think, you know, even like, you know, I know you don't have kids. Joy doesn't have kids. Like, I think there are also things at play here that don't even necessarily have, you don't even necessarily have to be um, a mom or even thinking about becoming a mom for these things to, to apply to you. And I think that, you know, going back to your point about, um, how the systems right now in our country are just not really set up to support women. I think like Joy and I were talking about this earlier today. I think that being a birth worker is like the very grassroots of feminism of like, let's take back this really visceral thing that only women can do. And that is like the pillar of our entire humanity. And it's like this power that only women have. And you don't think, you know, you have to be a mom or even want to become a mom to kind of like be a part of that. But yeah, so let's maybe start with, you know, I know that there obviously the disclaimer is that every pregnancy is totally different. Every body is totally different. (laughs) And so, you know, I think we all, we can just lay that out there. So we don't, (laughs) we don't need to be, you know, making a bunch of disclaimers, but so for, so for listeners who are thinking about trying to get pregnant or maybe even who have been trying and are having some struggles getting pregnant, what is your advice to, for things that they can do outside of like a medical intervention for fertility problems that can really optimize that their body and their minds before they even start down the road? So this is, this is actually a really common question and this deals with fertility and miscarriages and, you know, some of the gnarly stuff that nobody likes to talk about. The biggest thing I would say is look at things that cause stress in your body. Uh, fertility, stress, fertility, stress has a direct kind of influence on fertility. Sometimes you don't even know what's stressful until you take yourself outside of the storm. So for instance, um, we have a friend of ours that basically got out of the city, went and moved somewhere else for, you know, in the country kind of, and they had been trying and trying and trying to get pregnant, but it took them leaving for almost two years, kind of peeling away the layers and getting the filth off of them from the city in order to get pregnant. They ended up moving back in the city, but sometimes you don't even know what's stressing you out until you get outside of that bubble or step outside of the bubble that you're living in. That brings me to another point where, you know, sometimes you're trying to fix all these things within your body. And I'm, I'm a great example because, you know, I'm a doctor of chiropractic. I've got a great education. And you know, if I think I need a supplement, I would take it. But unfortunately, you know, my body shut down and I had no idea what was going on until I sought out the help of somebody outside of my body, outside of my world. And I just surrendered and I said, hey, let's take a blood test. Let's figure out what's going on. So if there is trouble and maybe somebody's experienced one miscarriage or two miscarriages, don't wait for uh, the medical system to say, let's run a blood test now. I would say get a blood test, even if you're thinking about getting pregnant like run 
a whole blood panel, see if your MTHFR mutation, check your omega levels, vitamin D levels, everything. Like just have a baseline. And from there you can make so much change or enhancements just to your daily life. Like stress, blood tests, and then the other thing would be create a mindset practice. And this can go for anybody, like male, female, young, old, whoever. But it starts as simple, you know, something like 10 minutes a day. And it can just be breathing. And there's a wonderful app called Headspace if you need guidance. Or there's even an expectful app that's geared towards the motherhood transition. But paying attention to just slowing down your breath and not looking at a screen, not doing anything for 10 minutes a day and just being with yourself sometimes is the realest thing ever. Mm-hmm. So those are like the three things I would say for sure. So I'm, I'm kind of surprised to not hear you mention physical fitness. And like, <laughs> um, and I think, you know, I, I was definitely expecting you to say like, be doing squats, be doing mobility, be strengthening your pelvic floor, be strengthening your core. You know, obviously that's not like, like, like those things don't matter. But what is it about that that doesn't come to mind right off the bat for you? Yeah, I think so. Those would be my top three. I think fitness would be in the top 10, maybe top five for sure. Uh, like fitness and nutrition. And I think those come indirectly after you get some results on the complete blood panel. But um, if somebody's completely adrenal fatigued, then their fitness and their nutrition is going to be adjusted by that. Or if there's thyroid deficiency, um, or even like myself, if there's metal toxicity or anything like that, I've certainly had to adjust fitness and or nutrition based on, you know, when chelation was happening or, you know, when I'm just feeling run down. But um, there's such a pressure on women in our society to perform, perform, perform. And especially if a woman has a miscarriage, the and they're exercising or and or they identify with exercise and that might be their doctor's only thing that they know how or they can blame you know like they don't they may not have even looked at her blood work they may not have even looked at stressful events in her life they're just like oh you're exercising or you're doing crossfit five days a week take it out Mm -hmm. you know that's that's kind of horseshit. And there's no evidence to support that exercise causes miscarriage. The exer- or the evidence or the research that's out there that supports maybe a little fertility issues is women that have had eating disorders and or therefore have lower body fat. So there, it's a guilt by association thing there. I think exercise is important and I move every day. I want movement to be something that enhances somebody's overall well-being. And it's not a stressful event like, shit, I got to go to the gym. It's 5.30 a.m. I got to get it in before I go to work, um, that sort of thing, you know. So identifying stressors, a complete butt blood panel, and mindset practice are going to be the top three. Can we – let's talk a little bit about miscarriage because yeah. I feel like it's not talked about and I feel like a lot of people go through it. And mm-hmm. um, I think that it is something that can be – obviously very taboo it's something that can be very painful and it's something that can also just lead you to make conclusions about yourself that are not necessarily not true yeah not based in anything so i you know i want to maybe if you can speak to that a little bit about people who you've worked with who've gone through miscarriage who either you know eventually were able to get pregnant or are still working on getting pregnant and you know what kind of advice you would have for people in that space of their life all the seminars that we've hosted so far we've talked about miscarriage and melissa who's birth fit colorado does a brilliant exercise and like you just said like people start to put the blame on themselves and they start to kind of make up stories or i caused this or because i wasn't healthy enough or because i wasn't fit enough or because I 
was working out too hard or because I was too stressed, this happened, right? So take that away and at least ask yourself, if I take the blame off of me, what who am I on the other side? What type of person? Who am I to my husband? Who am I to my kids that I already have or don't? Who am I at my workplace? Who am I without this story or this blame that I'm putting on myself? And, you know, it's a very powerful, powerful exercise to just try to take that story and place it elsewhere. And I know I just mentioned this, but definitely if you haven't had a blood test and you've had a miscarriage, get one to see what, what's going on within your body. But um, for those that have had miscarriages, that's, an, uh, that's a freaking pregnancy. And don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. I'm desperate, desperately sorry for your loss, as I know the rest of our team is. You know, for that, I'll, I will say this, we've created a um, what we call birth fit muster. And this happens yearly on October 14th. This gets me all choked up every time. It's a way to bring awareness to miscarriage and uh, loss. And on October 14th, every year we have um, like a 30-minute webinar. And it's usually in silence. Like moms will show up. They may not even use like how we are doing, like no video. They submit their names if they want to. Of Like let's say if they name their, their baby or their special spirit. And they submit them to us and we just have a like a gentle roll call and mom can show up how she wants. She can light a candle. We have a little guest speaker or a little, um, um, like last year we talked about vaginal steaming. You know, we just honor that spirit for the time that they were with us either in our bodies or here on earth. And, um, that's, that's just our way of bringing awareness to that, the subject that nobody talks about, you know, for women that have had a miscarriage or any kind of loss throughout pregnancy, um, it's a pregnancy and it's sometimes a, definitely a birth and it's postpartum. So there's a lot of expectations on women once a miscarriage happens to just get back to life. And we like to say you're, you, it's a minimum postpartum recovery period as long as you were pregnant. So if a mom had a miscarriage around 12 weeks, then I'm on at least minimum, she needs to be healing and recovering and addressing what's going on in her soul for tw- at least 12 weeks postpartum. So that's 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 huge. And it's definitely not talked about. And one in three women have a miscarriage. And it's even common, you know, subsequent pregnancies, like it's many, it's happened to many on our team. Yeah, I, I so. kind of feel like I probably should announce that I had a miscarriage like, what, a month ago, Joy? Mm-hmm. It was quick. It was pretty like, I, but I haven't talked about it on the podcast yeah, yet. Yeah, Claire, I'm surprised you brought it up. Well, but. I feel like now I can't not yeah, bring it up. right, yeah. But it was like, anyway, it was just interesting. Like, I, it wasn't uh, something that we, I wasn't planning on getting pregnant. It just kind of, you know, in a lot of ways, it, it felt like what was kind of supposed to happen. But it also really was like a crazy whiplash. And then I, you know, like, went through I mean, all this like crazy it was a, it was a crazy whiplash it and it was just like for you. but i think you know all that to say that like you look at your life and think you know you even though it wasn't a pregnancy we were intending it still was really hard to not think like what for did sure. i do wrong here mm-hmm. for sure yeah oh my gosh i'm so sorry there's a good book out there it's called spirit babies it talks about miscarriages in there and how perhaps this spirit is going to come back to you at some other point in your life or it had an agenda and it completed its mission and the book is just really beautiful and how spirits find us so i would recommend it to anybody that's uh, experienced a miscarriage or thinking about getting pregnant you know yeah. 
okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll take a deep breath and move on to the next, the yeah. next stage. So for, oh. for mamas who are newly pregnant and are worried about what that means for their life, um, <laughs> and who, you know, a lot of the people listening to our podcast are CrossFitters. And so kind of let's focus a little bit more for this question on the, on that fitness aspect. How do you recommend that they approach their coach? And are there any movements that you, that you see as black and white that are not suitable for pregnancy? I mean, I'm super biased and I think everybody should attend the birth fit coach seminar just because it'll shift your mind in how you coach not only pregnant women, but everybody. Once we find out a woman's pregnant, we just say no to toes to bar sit-ups, GHD sit-ups, V-up, anything with some extreme flexion going on, like mountain climbers. This primarily comes from our DNS background, and we're just not designed to do sit-ups as human beings. I get it, it's in the fitness world, but it's not a functional movement. I love toes to bar because I feel like a little monkey on the... um, (laughs) But (laughs) so we take those things out to support mom and hopefully her whole musculoskeletal system because if we're doing things in extreme flexion, especially not doing things in extension or strengthening the extension side, like your posterior chain, then it's going to predispose to back injury. It's going to predispose to greater risk for ab separation. And just because a woman's capable of a movement doesn't mean it's appropriate during pregnancy. It's like if you want to get specific with track and field so there's jumpers there's sprinters there's long distance runners and you don't see long distance runners practicing long jump or triple jump or high jump they're they get super sport specific especially within the year leading up to the olympic trials so it's the the same thing like you have 40 (laughs) weeks i like that get sport specific for for labor yeah totally and that's i mean using that analogy is um I mean, there's nothing that can compare to labor and delivery, but most of us, if we can just relate it to something that is familiar to us, it's a little easier to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I, I, we're we're creeping up on the end of the podcast. Not, I mean, we're not quite there yet, but I want to make sure that we kind of get to at least all the all the phases. So, you know, early pregnancy, even before you're showing, then you know, stay away from those extreme flexion movements. So now let's move on to later in pregnancy, and you're you're looking at your birth plan, you're staring it down, and you're thinking, I want a natural birth. What happens if I can't handle it? That's a question that we heard in, in a couple of different ways from different yeah. folks. And, you know, I know that for me, that was something big that, that happened. And I, you know, I know I told you that story on um, email, but yeah, very, very short version of my story is that, you know, I went into labor thinking I was going to be natural birth rock star. I was like going to do my, my like throat breathing and whatnot, just <laughs> like 24 hours and 34 hours into it was not even at one centimeter and got an epidural. I was like, why didn't I do this 25 hours ago? <laughs> but, you know, for me, there were just some like weird stuff with Miles placenta that nobody could have known ahead of time. And, right. um, but also through that, dealt with a couple of people who were less than supportive. Luckily, mm-hmm. ended up, you know, having a doula who absolutely turned my entire experience around. But I think, you know, I definitely went into it with an expectation, mm-hmm. even though I tried not to. And I always joked, like, I'm not going to be that woman who's been in labor for 30 hours and is still refusing the epidural. But there I was. So to speak to some of the women who are currently pregnant and are looking at this thinking like, man, labor is such a huge unknown. You for hear sure. stories from every side of the spectrum throughout your whole pregnancy. They just start coming out of the woodwork. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, what can you do and how do you coach people through going in with an open mind and feeling like they have, they're getting what they want out of the experience without necessarily being able to plan it down to the letter or plan it at all for that okay. matter. Right. I think this is where mindset plays a big, big, big component. And we practice mindset a lot and we do a lot of exercises. And each of our regional directors uh, teach something that's called the Birth Fit Prenatal Series. And this is a birth education course. And within this course, we do like a nine-page birth plan worksheet. And we call it a worksheet because if you showed up at the hospital or at your midwife's office with a nine-plan birth thing, it's not, they're just going to laugh in your face. (laughs) But... (laughs) We basically give this to them either on day one or day two, and they're instructed to go through it line by line and Google what they don't know. So if they don't know induction options either at their hospital or what they mean, then they got to look that up. And like this is homework. And then they come back and they bring that back to the third class of the prenatal series. But in the meantime, we are designing a birth mission statement. And this is an overall feeling of how you want birth to feel, what you want your desires to show up as. And we basically get this down, like we do some soul searching and get this down to, you know, one to two sentences. And this birth mission statement is going to go at the top of a sheet of paper. And below that uh, birth mission statement, we're going to pull maybe 10 to 12 bullet points from this birth plan worksheet that are pretty top on the priority list for mom and partner. And, you know, that's what they're going to make as their birth preference sheet. And they're going to put that in their bag. They're going to put that, give that to their doctor and midwife or whoever. And they're going to go over it with their doula and whoever is on their birth team. But when they bring that birth plan worksheet back to the third day of class, we go through that line by line and basically put mom in each of those scenarios. So we all have fears associated with labor and delivery or birth or even life in general. And, you know, I have women that come to me that say, I have a huge fear of a needle in my back. I, there's no way I can get an epidural or there's no way I can get an episiotomy or a C-section is my greatest fear. Everybody has different fears, but they're all legit and they all need to be addressed. But, you know, when we approach this exercise on the third day, we do a meditation, we protect our energy, and then we place each, like, each of ourselves, I'm pretending like I'm one of the moms, in these scenarios. So say, what do you do if you are 39 weeks, your water breaks, but there's no contractions? And then we give, you know, a few minutes, they decide what they want to do and their answers have got to line up with their birth mission statement and if they don't then maybe they either have an incorrect birth mission statement for their partnership or maybe they need to look at other options as far as you know what they would do in that scenario um we have a ton of these scenarios okay Maybe it's 42 weeks and doctor's like, hey, (laughs) let's induce. Then how would you want to go about that? So we literally take the people like and put them in these scenarios so that if they do come into labor and delivery and life throws them an obstacle, then they've seen that before or they've semi-experienced before and they know exactly like they've role played and they know what they're what what route they're going to choose. And, um, you know, I tell people there's always time to breathe. And if somebody's posing like um, a decision, 
a decision in front of you or putting a decision in front of you, then stop, breathe, ask for some private time with your partner and or your doula or whoever's there and get everybody else out of the room. What I like to do at the hospital, like if I'm with somebody and this is my secret will be out of the bag, but I like to say they're praying in there. Usually whenever you say the word pray, people freak out and they're like, oh, okay, I'll give them space. So we give give them space and, you know, um, I try to tell them, okay, whatever they're presenting to you, like what are the benefits, what are the risks, what are alternatives, what does your intuition tell you, and what happens if you do nothing? Maybe we're at the hospital and we checked in and the water broke, but you're having contractions on and off and they want to give you Pitocin, but you don't want Pitocin, but they want you to stay at the hospital. Well, cool. We'll just hang out at the hospital and walk the stairs. So that's what happens if you do nothing. Okay, cool. Then we'll check back in in two hours. Deal. Mm-hmm. So then you check back in with your nurse. But um, there's a good book that somebody told me about, and I forgot who told me about it or I'd give them credit, but it's called uh, The Obstacle Way or The Obstacle is the Way. And, you know, we like to view the word obstacle as a positive because sometimes life needs you or the universe needs you to experience these things to make you a stronger, more evolved human. And that's where that growth mindset comes into play. I believe babies are born exactly how they want to be born. They just don't tell us. Sometimes, you know, our expectations don't line up with the little man or woman's expectations. But yeah, we we like to basically role play and go through every scenario. And, you know, if you have an idea of how you want to feel during labor and delivery or birth or whatever you want to call it, then always at every like intersection, see if that's lining up with how you want to feel. And if it's not, then take a take a time out, take a reset and say, how can I make this feel like I want to feel? Like, what can I do to enhance that? Okay, so we have about have time for about one more question, and I feel like we are literally <laughs> going to need to come back and do an entire postpartum episode um, because there oh, yeah. are – oh, yeah, we haven't even gotten it's a very clear that we just It's very clear that we just need to make this a series, yeah. which is great. <laughs> oh, yeah, postpartum. We got to talk about that. But I think to pose, I guess, like the most straightforward – you know, the most straightforward question that I can think of that tries to encompass a lot of the questions we got about postpartum. So you've gone through birth, you know, you've, whatever your birth experience was, you have your baby, you're, you know, four to six weeks out, you're ready to get back to a sense of normalcy. I think that the first question in everyone's mind is where do you start? Working out, get back to the gym, get back to your life, get back to your body. I think the first question everybody asks themselves is, you know, my body is so different than it ever has been before. Where do I start? The first thing is shift the mind. And the cool thing is during pregnancy, you're becoming like a superhero. Mom's body is becoming more and more efficient physiologically. And she's just becoming a rock star. And that's why you see things like, oh, my God, I accidentally PR'd and I didn't even realize it in my second trimester. That's kind of common. Um, especially if you're playing smart. But that's superhuman during pregnancy. During the postpartum period, or the immediate postpartum period, which I consider the full year, and the rest of our team would agree, is you've got to give yourself space, and you've got to give yourself space to recalibrate, reset, connect, recover, and then rehab the body. And, you know, some cultures around the world will view the mom's postpartum period as, you know, a mom isn't fully healed until maybe 12 months, 18 months, two years postpartum. 
But in our country, we're like, okay, you're six weeks, you're good to go, which is gnarly because that's just an average that was placed by somebody on, okay, let's just have a rule to go by. And, you know, it takes um, soft tissue, uh, ligaments, muscles, fascia, things like that, on average, like 280 days to heal. So that's, you know, close to the 40 week mark and or longer. But healing takes time for everybody. And what you're doing to recover as far as chiropractic, nutrition, sleep, stress, all that stuff plays a role. The rules we give our clients are two weeks, nothing. Don't even call us about fitness for two weeks. <laughs> um, Just good luck going poop. Yeah, like That's chill your out, cuddle with your, cuddle with your baby. The and then if people cry. start calling us, um, you know, within the two to four week mark, we're like asking them, okay, what what does bleeding look like? What does you know, what's coming out, anything else coming out, how's breastfeeding, how's sleep, how's your nutrition. And then we ask them, okay, I need you to wear the baby, like put the baby on you in like ergo or a wrap or something and go for a 10 to 20 minute walk down the block. And then some realize, oh shit, that was harder than it looked. (laughs) Um, Or then they... (laughs) I'm just laughing because it took me like three weeks to be able to stand up from the couch unassisted. Yeah, like, and then like three weeks later, I was supposed to go back to CrossFit. I was like, I'm sorry, I can't even walk up the stairs <laughs> by myself. Not happening. I yeah. still have like the yeah. greatest vision of going to see Claire oh in the hospital, God. and she <laughs> tell her the story. It was okay. I, it's my favorite story about the, the pajamas. Yeah. So okay, so about the bo- extra large box yeah, of shorts. So long story short, Miles's head was and continues to be literally off the charts. <laughs> And the day after he was born, the nurse was like, we're going to re-measure his head tomorrow because this just doesn't seem right. And I'm thinking like, no, that feels right. <laughs> that feels about right. <laughs> feels super right. And so my, what's that? What's the part of your pelvis where the two pieces come together? The xiphoid process? The, no, the pubic bone, pubic symphysis. Yeah. So like where that little like piece of cartilage is right there. So mine, my, yeah. my pelvis completely separated. And when it came back together, it overlapped. Oh. And I was talking to someone about this recently, and they were like, oh, my God, did they send you home with a walker? And I was like, was that an option? <laughs> yeah. Yes. They, someone should have sent me home with a walker. So anyway, yeah. I go to the, I pack my hospital bag naively thinking, like, I'm going to wear my leggings. I love leggings. I'm going to put my leggings on the next day. <laughs> I couldn't even. Uh-oh. I legitimately had to have my husband come into the bathroom and pull my underwear up for me. And as we yeah. all know, it was not it's like the mesh underwear with like the the mom diaper so i called joy and i'm like she's like do you need anything and i'm like just go to target and buy the biggest pair of like boxer shorts (laughs) you can find and she was like are you sure and she like texted me from target she was like they have double xl like are you sure that's what you want i was like yes get that (laughs) i'm like these are huge and she's like i'm not kidding like buy the biggest pair that they have I couldn't like I couldn't pull them up. I didn't want to have to mess with it. I was just like, just get. And so Joy shows up with these glow in the dark pizza boxer shorts that are like triple XL. And she was like, I mean, I was like, no, these are so perfect. I'm such a good friend. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's what I was just gonna say. <laughs> but yeah, to be to then think like, hey, in six weeks you're gonna be back like doing thrusters. Like, are you on crack? Yeah. It, I literally crack. couldn't even like adjust myself in bed. <laughs> yeah freaking gnarly and when people ask me that i'm just like what are you thinking yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah we 
the we ask them to go for a walk. If there's any increased bleeding, then we say your body's still healing from the inside out. You know, your placenta was a part of you too, and that's like was you had to birth that too. That came off the inside. So basically, you have a scab that's been pulled off, and it's still bleeding on the inside. Yeah, it's an organ that you made and then you got rid of. Yeah, like yeah. how just bizarre it's just is that? Crazy. I just like <laughs> let's just, just let like, that sink in for a minute. I'm like, in, I'm just, I'm sitting here in awe. Just, I can't even believe how amazing that is. It's amazing, and then it's even weirder that people want to go back to working out yeah. less than six weeks postpartum. Yeah, you but just yeah, had an organ removed. Yeah, not to mention um, a human. <laughs> and I get where people want to see their community and their the people that they used to see every day, and that's totally fine. But you know, I would at least wait to go and hang out at your gym or your box or whatever until you're somewhere around five to seven weeks postpartum, and just go and just walk around, stand and chill, breathe, breathe with baby. Um, like the first thing we start with is breathing, and then something we call the functional progression which is based on DNS principles. And then we just, we take a long time to ease back into, let's say a CrossFit class or running or any kind of specific training that somebody's doing. So wrapping up, Lindsay, what's the best way that, that, and I'm not kidding when we need to do like a three-part series, four-part series, ongoing series with you, because there's so many great questions here (laughs) that I feel we just did not do all of it justice. So I think this definitely calls for some more episodes. What's the best way for um, women to reach out to you and and just get in contact with you as far as getting started with BirthFit? Yeah, so they can just go to birthfit.com and we have an education tab, like a little tab at top that says education. Under there, there's online programming, there's consultations, there's a link to the podcast, which is free. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff under there. And, you know, I'm not the one that's doing all the consultations. So there's lots of moms and experienced doctors on our team that have um, that talk to women all the time via consultations, and they're our team's freaking rad, and they're they're all different. And they have so much to offer. Like Melissa, eating psychologist, coach Erica is a core and pelvic floor expert that's trained in Prague with DNS, and Dr. Muma talks up future regional directors or practitioner support and things like that. And then um, we're adding a running coach within like as soon as I get my shit together and put that on there. (laughs) But um, yeah, we have a really great running coach that teaches the coach seminars with us. Yeah, so there's lots of support out there. Uh, The women on our team are awesome and they can't wait to help other women, which is why we're doing this. Well, I'm inspired. I'm just, I'm sitting here. I'm like, I've been listening the whole time, just my eyes wide open. I, there's just so much out there that I, I didn't even think, I thought an hour we were going to cover all of our questions and we barely got Not to a close. few of them. <laughs> this always happens, like on the consultations too. I'm like, I gotta go, I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right. so glad. Thank you for taking the time to to talk to us. And uh, listeners, again, you guys can find Lindsay at birthfit.com. And you're on social media on every social media outlet at birthfit. Yeah. And uh, hopefully it is helpful to you. I know it's been helpful to Claire and a lot of our listeners. So thank you, Lindsay, for being just a badass woman out there doing wonderful things for women bringing humans into this world. I, I can't imagine. Well, thank you. And you know, I couldn't do it alone the tribe is amazing and it continues to grow so like the dallas seminar was rad and i just realized how awesome the dallas birth community is so there's lots of good things going on and 
different, I guess, cities, pockets of the United States. So we'll see some changes soon. It'll yeah. be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that's it for this week. Girls Gone Wild listeners, check out Lindsay. Check out all of her podcast interviews and her own podcast, The Birth Fit Podcast. And we'll see you guys next week. Lindsay, stay on the line. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Have a good week. Bye.